Happy New Year, Cornerstone! My name is Iris, and I will be doing the scripture reading for today, which comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. The word of the Lord. Greetings, sisters and brothers of Cornerstone. Happy New Year! It's uh, great to be with you now in 2021. Goodbye, 2020, and uh, good riddance. But uh, there's many things we have learned from the struggles we've each faced in 2020. Now we look forward to what is ahead. I'm excited to think of the opportunities that the Lord Jesus has for us in Cornerstone here as His church. And I pray along with you that we will say goodbye to the COVID-19 um, for once and for all in 2021. Today I continue the second message, uh, going through this series of messages in the, from the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. And the way this is going to work is each message is from each uh, a chapter in Luke, and we're going in sequence. So last week, Pastor Paul, he spoke from a text in chapter 1. We're not going to be speaking on the whole chapter, but a text in each chapter. And today, I've chosen this text in chapter 2. And next week, uh, I'll be speaking on another text from chapter 3. So Pastor Paul and I encourage you to either read the whole chapter to give context, um, either after the Sunday message or before we speak on the Sunday message. Um, uh, and if you get lost in the weeks ahead, we have this listed as a Bible reading schedule on our website along with the verse of the month. So as you can see there, you can just click on this link and it'll take you to the Bible reading schedule to tell you what chapter we're on in the upcoming Sunday. Why don't we pray together before we study God's Word. Lord Jesus, we ask that your Spirit now would open our hearts and minds to learn about you and your truth so that we can better understand how to follow you in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Where are you looking for Jesus? What do I mean? I mean, do you see Jesus working in the lives of people that are in your life, that you meet and greet 
for the first time or that you know for many years? Do you see Jesus working in their lives? And if you do, how do you know? What are the indications of that? If you don't see uh, uh, anything that Jesus is doing and you don't notice anything, is it because you're not looking? Or how do you know that he isn't working in their lives and you just aren't seeing it? Um, Have you looked for Jesus when you are with your family, especially these past holidays, Christmas and New Year's, or when you're with your relatives? Have you looked for Jesus at when you go to like H Mart or 99 Ranch Market or Costco or Mango Mango or Sun Mary, Home Depot? Or are you looking for Jesus in your neighborhood or at work or when playing video games with others? Are you looking for Jesus? Uh, Well, we'll get back to this question when we take a closer look at our text. Today's text, which is Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52, which was read for us earlier. And in this text, we're going to see three things um, and learn three things, I should say, about Mary and Joseph. And we're also going to learn three things about Jesus. And then after we look at those things, we'll consider how this text applies to our lives, which will lead us back to that question. Where are you looking for Jesus? So let's begin looking at the three things we learn about or from Mary and Joseph. The first is that Mary and Joseph were committed in their faith and devotion to God. And we see this in verses 41 and 42, which say, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. Joseph and Mary faithfully traveled the long journey to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover every year out of their faith and devotion to God. And Nazareth is about 64 miles from Jerusalem. And remember, they did not have cars and highways or anything like that. So that that means it took about three days for them to travel to Jerusalem and which means they would take about three days to travel back. And Passover, the whole Passover and the feast associated with Passover, it was about eight days. So three days, three days, eight days. You know, you're talking about two weeks of commitment to go uh, and come back for Passover. Um, Mary, Joseph, and other family members, including probably uh, as the years went on, since Jesus' birth, uh, Jesus' four half-brothers and half-sisters, which are mentioned uh, in another gospel, probably went along with them. Um, Every year, uh, they would go with Mary and Joseph. Um, The book of Exodus teaches that all males of Israel were expected to be at Jerusalem three times a year uh, for the Passover, which we learn about here, the Feast of Fruits and the First Fruits, I'm sorry, and then the Feast of Ingathering at Harvest. Three times a year, all the, male, all the males of Israel were to gather at Jerusalem to worship God. Now, this would have been costly, if you think about it. Joseph, who was probably a self-employed carpenter, which didn't just mean working with wood, but also with rock and masonry and things like that, But he's being self-employed. It was tough for him to leave his trade 
for two whole weeks. Uh, so that would have been difficult. And then you think about every male, Israelite male, leaving their homes and their livestock and their fields uh, and going to Jerusalem for however long it would take them, depending on how far away they'd lived. It would have been tough uh, for them to do so. Yet God had promised in Exodus that he would protect their property um, from any kind of outside uh, threat during these times when they would gather in Jerusalem. That was in the book of Exodus. Yeah, three times a year they were to gather, and it was very costly for them. Now, Mary's faith and devotion we see very clearly here because she was not required to go to Jerusalem as a woman, and yet she chose to go and wanted to go uh, to worship God every year at Passover. And, and so we see her faith and devotion here as well. Mary and Joseph were committed in their faith and devotion to God. Very evident from this text. Is there evidence like this of the commitment to our faith and devotion to God in our lives? When you think of yourselves, what evidence do we have that we can point to and say, yeah, there is evidence of my faith and devotion to God. My heartfelt desire to follow and worship the Lord Jesus. Joseph took around two weeks off of his work to go with his family to travel and worship God for a week or so and come back every year. And today, if we translate that, that, might, that would mean like taking a week or two weeks of vacation to serve God specifically in some way, maybe go on a short-term mission trip or to serve in a local ministry or to serve like in our VBS uh, during the summer months, uh, just take, work, take off work to serve and worship the Lord God through our service in this way. Uh, yearly taking time off is a way to worship God, uh, this rhythm. And God had established this for the Israelites. I mean, there was this weekly rhythm of worship where, you know, you're not only daily, but weekly they were to take one day, the Sabbath, to worship God and not work. And then there's these festivals throughout the year, and Passover specifically, where you would, again, not work and specifically focus on your worship of God. This rhythm. What is our weekly rhythm? What is our yearly rhythm of worship of God, showing our devotion and commitment to Jesus as Lord, and not just that we have to work, 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 and depend on our own effort to provide for us and our family. And we say, no, we can't take time off. Once we're thinking that way, then we are making our work or our own efforts the idol, in the sense what we think will provide for us. When could we give one week to do service to the Lord yearly. Think about it. The second thing we see this text, in this text is that Mary and Joseph were committed to seeing their children grow in faith and understanding of God. For both Mary and Joseph to travel to Jerusalem every year for Passover meant then that they had to take their children with them. And we know they took Jesus because of the story here. But they would have had to take all their children with them. 
uh, we see in the text that they didn't just travel alone with just their children either. They, they traveled in a, a good-sized group. Uh, listen to verses 43 through 45 again. And when the feast was ended and they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. So Mary and Joseph made a great effort uh, to bring their children to worship God during Passover every year in Jerusalem. Only men were required to go to worship God for Passover, but they decided as a couple to not only have Mary go, but their, all their whole family go um, to travel, make this trip every year to worship God in Jerusalem. The primary ways of imparting knowledge to our children, if we think about it, is through example, through imitation, through conversation we have with them, and through stories. This is how we impart knowledge to our children. And parents, in that time, used this, uh, the interest that was aroused in their children to, um, you know, in a sense like Mary and Joseph taking their children to Passover every year. It would arouse interest in their children. Of why are we doing this? Why do we have to go? You know, how, whatever the attitudes they, their kids had, uh, to then teach them about worshiping God and how important it is and all this. And plus, it was an example to their children of Joseph taking time off work and Mary too. They would not work during this time. And so they were teaching their children about God. Brothers and sisters, likewise, we get to be just as committed to teach our children about God and help them grow in their knowledge and faith and understanding of God. This is a great responsibility and a great opportunity for each of us. Um, if we are parents now or if we will be parents in the future, or if we're never parents, like May and I, the children in our lives that we come in contact with, we still have opportunity to teach them and give them knowledge about God. So whatever role we are, whether we're parents or we will be parents, we need to have the right mindset, like Mary and Joseph did, about children and how to lead them to know about God. And this starts with us and how we live at home especially if we have children, how we live following Jesus as an example in the home life among our children, the example we give. We cannot, we cannot accept the world's teaching that we must pursue um, education and help our children make a good choice about their profession, the making sure it's a good pain and stable profession in order to provide security for their future because then we have bought into the world's teaching. Those things do not provide security for the future. Only the Lord God provides security for the future. All those things are blessings if the Lord allows them in our lives, but He may not. 
And that's okay because he is ultimately the one to provide security for the future of our children. And so we trust in him in this way. And if we buy, though, into this mindset of the world, then we will raise the importance of our children being involved in all these extracurricular activities or, or additional tutoring we want them to have so that they can get into this good, the best education possible because we believe that that will give them security for the future. And if that's how we are teaching our children, then most likely they will not and we will not encourage them to be involved in things that will give them the knowledge and security in the Lord God. Teach them about the, and understand about the Lord. Because we will be teaching them other values. And so they won't be involved in probably in fellowships with their peers, um, other Bible-believing and Christ-following peers, like in youth fellowship or, or children's Sunday school or things like that. They'll be too busy. Or they maybe just will choose that they don't want to do that because they are pursuing security for the future uh, in these other things. What are we teaching or what will we teach our children as followers of Jesus? To seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness or to seek first opportunities for their future education and career? Because that's where the real security is. Um, if God gives us the gift of children, then we get to be committed to seeing them grow in their faith and devotion and understanding to God. Let's not waste that opportunity, brothers and sisters in Cornerstone. The third thing we learn about Mary and Joseph is what they did not know which is interesting here. Verses 46 through 50 say, After three days they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. So up to this point in the story, Mary and Joseph did not know that Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. They did not know where to find Jesus. And lastly, they did not know what Jesus meant when he said, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Or in other words, of course I would be in my father's house. Why didn't you know that? Mary and Joseph were both frightened and overwhelmed at what they saw and heard, but more overwhelmed that their son would have treated them this way. Jesus basically ditched his parents without telling them. Jesus was amazed at their lack of understanding of his identity and who he is. The miracles surrounding his birth, the visit of the wise men, the angel that visited Joseph in his dreams, guiding his family to safety. You know, all these things should have prepared Mary and Joseph, Joseph for the identity of Jesus as God's son. But we need to remember, there was a, probably about 12 years or a little less um, between those events, all those miraculous things surrounding Jesus' birth, and this story. 
because Jesus is 12 years old now. Um, so we got to give them, uh, we have to put ourselves in Mary and Joseph's shoes in that sense. You know, after over a decade or a little more of this normal life, normal averaged life, the identity of their son and the idea of his destiny um, was hitting them again by this experience at the temple with Jesus. And as a result, they were surprised and they needed to reflect more on what did this all mean again, um, as indicated in verse 51. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Mary and Joseph were not thinking at this moment of their son as God's son. But Mary kept this event in her heart and her memory and probably shared it with Luke, the author of this gospel. Um, and then he recorded it. And Luke is the only gospel uh, record of this story. It's not in the other three gospels. Now let's look at the three things we learn about Jesus. First is that Jesus sought out teachers to listen to them and ask them questions. Now this is important to understand because Jesus, uh, at, we see here his development as a person, which is something we need to understand and the scriptures reveal through this story. When I was young, I used to think Jesus was some kind of like superhuman, um, specifically that I thought that he, he knew everything like from the time of his birth. And, uh, and this story just proved it, right? He, he knew he was God's son. No, why didn't anybody else know it? Uh, but in this text, we see that Jesus purposely stayed behind in Jerusalem to learn from the teachers at the temple. Verse 46 says, Sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Imagine the boy Jesus, just 12 years old, sitting with these teachers, these great teachers of the law, uh, asking insightful questions to them about the scriptures. Now, teachers love insightful questions. Uh, man, I always get excited when someone in our class is, that we're teaching is asking a really good question. And it's not every question is a good question, but one that like, surprises us, like, wow, that's really insightful. Um, a lot of times, we didn't even think of that question. So it's really a, a refreshing uh, for the teacher. And this is what Jesus was doing to these teachers, I'm, I'm guessing, very insightful questions, and which showed and demonstrates the understanding he had of the scriptures already to ask a question like this. And then they were also astonished and impressed by the answers he gave to their questions, because it says his answers. They were astonished by his answers. See, Jesus was highly motivated to study the Jewish scriptures to find out and understand more about what it said and revealed about the Messiah, who he, he knew to be uh, he was. He knew that he was this person, the anointed one of God, the Messiah. And so he wanted to learn and grow in his understanding of this. So he sought out the teachers at the temple, pr probably some of the best teachers of the law in all of Israel. Verse 52 also then in our text speaks of Jesus' ongoing development as a person, saying, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. 
Jesus sought to grow in knowledge and understanding from the scriptures. The second thing we learn about Jesus is that Jesus humbly submitted to his parents. Now, Mary and Joseph finally locate him in the temple after a total of three days of being separated from Jesus. Just imagine, as a parent, how crazy that would make you, uh, cause you to worry. You know, you're separated from your son, your young son, for three whole days before you find him. Very worried. They found him in the temple court, sitting calmly with these teachers, uh, learning from them. So Mary and Joseph were not only surprised to find him like this, sitting with the teachers and interacting with them calmly, but they were also upset with Jesus. And so we see here Mary scolds Jesus. They didn't understand Jesus at this time. Why would he do this? Jesus humbly submitted to his parents and went with them. Now, Mary and Joseph didn't really understand Jesus at this point. And how many times have our parents not understood us? And when they haven't understood us and they've reacted to us, uh, this is as a child, you know, when we lived at home, um, as a minor, uh, did we still humbly submit to them like Jesus did? In that, in that stage of life, this is how we honor our parents, by submitting to their authority. Jesus humbly submitted to his parents, even though they didn't understand him at this point. So the third thing we learn is that Jesus, at 12 years old, understood that he was God's son. Now we see this when Jesus asked Mary and Joseph in response to the scolding Mary gave him. And he said, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Scholars have debated and continue to debate when did Jesus come to a full understanding of his identity as God's son, the Messiah. And this text reveals that at 12, uh, he knew who he was. Uh, probably because Mary told him all these stories about his birth. And so from the very start, he knew uh, his identity but he didn't quite understand probably what that fully meant. And he grew in that understanding as he grew as a person and his knowledge of the scriptures. And so, but he was still learning what that meant at this point and as 12 years old. Uh, Jesus is fully God, divine, God's son. And he's fully human, a man. It's hard to think that while being God, Jesus grew in his understanding uh, as a person. It, it's hard for us to grasp that. I mean, if you're God, then you should know everything. But this unique process of the incarnation and his growth as a human um, just shows the humility that was shown here uh, through Christ Jesus as God incarnate. I mean, if you think about it, he was born, and then as an infant, he, would, he, he did not have the ability of language. And so Jesus had to learn to speak, and he had to learn to walk, and he had to learn to run, just like the rest of us. And so he grew in his understanding as well, as a person. Jesus lived a normal, everyday life for about 30 years in his hometown of Nazareth. 
And people in Nazareth grew up with Jesus and they knew him and his half-brothers and his half-sisters. And Jesus must have then diligently studied the scriptures as a Jewish boy because he knew who he was, but he was trying to understand and grow in understanding what did God have, how, did, how has God revealed the role of the Messiah through the scriptures. And so he was very motivated to do that until his public ministry. So how could this text apply to our lives? Which brings us back to this question in the beginning. Where are we looking for Jesus? When Mary and Joseph realized Jesus was not with them, they returned to Jerusalem and they struggled to find Jesus until they finally found him in the temple. Because they struggled because they weren't thinking of Jesus uh, as God's son. They were thinking of Jesus as their son. Jesus said to them, Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And the same applies to us today. We struggle to find Jesus anywhere when we live like he is not our Lord. When we live not acknowledging his true identity. You and I will not see Jesus working in our midst when we are living like he is not our Lord. I mean, we, I have to admit, I follow Jesus. I am a follower of Jesus. I committed to Jesus as my Lord. But there are many times, moments in my life when I am living like he is not my Lord because of the way I'm acting or thinking. And this is what I'm talking about here. Uh, we will f- but on the other hand, then, the flip side of this is we will find Jesus everywhere when we look believing that he is Lord. Jesus asked Mary and Joseph, this, and this is my paraphrase, why didn't you know I would be in my father's house? You know, it's in a sense, if you knew who I was from the very beginning, you know, you told me all these stories about who I am. Why wouldn't you look? The first place you'd look would be the temple, my father's house. Why wouldn't you look there? You know, um, but that's all he said. And then he went home with them. <laughs> you know, in a sense, he, he kind of scolded them back a little bit. Not scolded, I guess, but uh, he, he just was amazed. Like, what, you don't know who I am after all these years? If they had searched, Mary and Joseph had searched as if Jesus was God's son, then they would have known where to find him. You know, and it's similar for each of us today, each of us who follow Jesus as Lord. If we live like Jesus is Lord, we will find him working in situations and circumstances and in the hearts of the people that we come in contact with. Not everyone, because not everyone responds to what Jesus is calling them how Jesus is calling them. But those people are some we call people of peace where they are interested. They are attracted to the, the aroma of Christ that they sense either from us or from other people. And uh, we will see this if we're living our everyday life like Jesus is our Lord. This is so important because Jesus is always working, calling people to himself. And we who follow him get to join him in his work. Jesus commanded us to make disciples as we are going about our lives. 
So are we doing this? And to do this means we need to have our radar up to see what Jesus is doing around us and join him in that work. Jesus did not suggest that we do this. Jesus commanded his followers to make disciples of him. And so when we look for Jesus, believing he is our Lord and King, we will observe where he is working and join him in that work. Look at the hearts of people that are being drawn to him and join him in pointing them to Jesus. And this means making time to listen to people's stories and struggles and questions to better understand where they're at and what, um, what needs to be explained to them, especially in how to share the gospel in terms that would help them understand who Jesus is. An example of this is how in our own community of Cornerstone is how Ken and Kat Young uh, joined the work of Jesus that he was doing in the heart of Ken's brother, Andy. Now, over the years, this was a process over the years, but Kat and Ken um, shared bits and pieces about their faith and their involvement in Cornerstone with Andy, and Andy was, over time, attracted to that and wanted to know more, and so uh, they invited him to join some of the activities and gatherings of some Cornerstone people. And the first gathering that Andy decided to join was at Jonathan and Monica Wong's place. And then shortly after that, uh, he decided that he wanted to join the gatherings that we have every Sunday for worship. And so he did, and he continued to learn more. And, and praise God, uh, he is now a follower of Jesus, part of our community. If, is Jesus working in the heart of one of your family members or relatives uh, or a coworker or a neighbor that you have regular contact with or a friend or a boss or your teacher or a relative, we will be sensitive to what Jesus is doing in the hearts of the people that God brings to, our, to us in our lives if we are living like he is our Lord every moment of every day. If we're not living that way, then we tend to be blind to what he is doing by the power of the Spirit around us. You know, I first experienced this when I was just out of college. Uh, I graduated with an electrical engineering degree, and I started working at uh, Lockheed Martin as an engineer with a man named Dennis, uh, who was the project manager, uh, the project leader. And so he, Dennis, uh, acted as like my mentor uh, on this project, um, helping me um, and guiding me on the part of the project that I was working on. It was a really exciting project. Uh, and so he took me under his wing, and uh, we spent time together while working on this project, and we became friends. Because, you know, you don't only talk about work, you talk about what you do over the weekend, you start sharing your personal lives with each other. And, you know, uh, from time to time, I shared about my involvement in my church and how I uh, taught Sunday school and worked in the youth ministry and also as an audio technician for our worship services. And this is when I was a young adult. And gradually, we shared more and more about our personal lives with each other. And, and I was able to share the gospel with him over time. And he even invited me to his home one time because he had this uh, ham radio setup that I was really interested in. And I could sense that Dennis was open um, and curious about Jesus and my faith in Jesus. But then uh, the Lord uh, called me 
to go into the ministry full time. And so I, I quit my job and I went to Denver Seminary and I lost touch with Dennis. And, uh, but then later, and I forget how much time passed, but later he did contact me and wrote to me and told me that he had become a follower of Jesus. Praise God. You know, we, we're not called to convert people to become followers of Jesus. We are to just point people and guide them to how to follow Jesus. And then it's really between them and God, uh, whether they make that commitment to follow and become a follower of Jesus or not. That's up to the Lord. If we go through each day like we are in control of our days, without much or any thought of Jesus, then we are basically living like Jesus is not our Lord and our God. And we will not see where he is working in the lives of others around us. And we won't be able to join him in that work then, because we're really not even looking. Jesus said, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And he also taught, My Father is always at work, at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So we see that Jesus is always with us, and he's working all the time around us. And when we don't see what Jesus is doing in the lives of people that he brings us in contact with, the reason could be that we're just simply not looking, and, or we're just not living like Jesus is our Lord at those times. They kind of both go together. If we're not living like he's not our Lord, we won't be looking. So back to this question. Where are you looking for Jesus? We will see Jesus working when we look believing he is Lord or when we live like he is Lord. We will not see Jesus working anywhere when we live like he is not Lord of our lives. And we will be basically blind to what he's doing. Brothers and sisters, let's turn on our radar as often and as much as we can to see where Jesus is working because he is calling you and me to make disciples of, his king, of himself for his kingdom's sake on earth until he returns, which may be soon. So we cannot dilly-dally with our own goals about our work and our careers and our children and all those things. No, because there for our own gain. No, we want to have gain for the kingdom of God. And that is by making disciples who then make disciples. Let's get busy about doing that work because Jesus is Lord and he's coming back. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that 2021, we would see the power of your spirit in us as your church unleashing us to see the fruit of your kingdom grow through the contacts that we have in our relationships that we, you have given each of us in Cornerstone. And Lord, lead us to those opportunities to join you in the work that you're already doing in the hearts and lives of others in our spheres of influence so that we can point them to you and that we can see them become followers of you. This is the fruit we pray for. And Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that this would be so. For we know this is your will, and we want it to be done on earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy New Year, and we'll see you next week.